What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out, there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap Podcast. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have an awesome guest with us today. We have Mel Abraham with us. He is a CPA by education, but an entrepreneur by exhilaration. And he is the author of the number one bestseller, The Entrepreneur Solution, The Modern Millionaire's Path to More Profit, Fans, and Freedom. Y'all, we're talking wealth on this episode. We're talking about money mindset. We're talking about those things that really help you create financial independence, which is what I know so many of you want and desire for your life is that security, that just impact that happens as you create that for yourself. And we are digging into it all in this episode. So get out your notebooks and let's turn it over to the conversation. All right, Mel, I am so freaking pumped to dig into this show with you and to just really pick your brain and hear what you have to say about wealth and all of this stuff that so many people desire and want to create. Before we dig in, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. This is, this is cool to get a chance to, uh, to chat, get a chance. Of course. To things, so. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let's, let's let the listeners in on who you are. How, what's your story? How did you get into this work? Oh my gosh. Well, I started as an entrepreneur at age 11. I had no idea what it was. I love so, it. Um, I was sitting with my dad watching a movie called uh, Houdini with Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. And I was fascinated with this guy that no chains and, and everything would hold. And so I started to, to study magic a little bit as an 11, as a 10 year old, 11 year old. And I kept going, there was a shop down across the valley and I would take the, the bus to the shop every day during the summer. And I would hang there for four or five hours with the owners and everything. And some guy <laughs> comes in talking about, and they're asking what he did for the week. And he says, oh, I had a gig and this and that. And, and he walks out and I go, what's a gig? <laughs> Oh, they, they do shows and they get paid. I go, oh, wait, 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 I, I, I can get paid to do this? So I went home and I created this half hour magic show that I started to do. Now we're, we're talking about 1972, so it was a while ago. But <laughs> as an 11 year old, I was, I was dressing up as a clown, I love uh, it. which my mom made the, uh, the clown outfit. Um, and I still have, it doesn't fit me anymore. But I was getting paid $50 for a half hour show. Ah, oh, dang. At that time, I'm like going, wait a second. This was like the bug that I go, you can actually do something you enjoy. You yes. can get paid for it. And you can impact someone's life, putting smiles on their faces or this. And that, it just never left me. Yeah. Um, so so fast forward, I, I went to school for business and accounting and and everything. And I only went into accounting because that's what people told me to do. I had no idea it was accounting, what it was for. 
uh, and everything. And then when I got out into the in one of the big consulting firms, I, I really quickly realized accounting wasn't for me. Yeah. I wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to help people dust off their dreams and to live, um, live their dreams. And so after four or five, actually five and a half years at the big consulting firm, I, I left and I, and I, uh, I went to Japan for six months. That's a whole nother story, but I came back and started working with people to help them, you know, entrepreneurs to help them build their businesses. And I sit on boards and directors and, 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 really starting to, whether it's startups or building from scratch, I've got one company that I'm on the board of that was founded in 1888. Oh and so, but then in 2019, um, I was, everything was great. I did a multi six figure launch. I'm flying, I'm masterminding. I'm speaking on the biggest stages. I literally get off a, a G5. If you've never flown on a G5, you got to do it at least once um, and hope someone else pays for it, which happened to me. So uh, I got up a G5. So life was really good, you know, and uh, and then two weeks later, I found myself in a hospital bed with them looking at me saying, we found a seven and a half centimeter tumor in your bladder. And uh, like it just completely turned my life upside down. And at the moment I said, well, I got to heal. I got to fight this. I got to do something. And so I shut everything down. I shut the businesses down and, and focused on the healing because at the time they said, look, we're going in, we're going to take this thing out. It's on the prostate. You might lose the prostate. We might have to put a tube and a bag in for the kidney. And if it's bad, you lose your bladder. And I still don't know the answer to, well, what happens if you lose your bladder? So the good news is that three surgeries, four tumors, 45 treatments, and I am two years clear and I still have all the body parts. <laughs> so wow. pretty good. But that was June 2019. And then I watched what happened in 2020 with the pandemic. And, mm -hmm. and I realized that what I did financially that set me up to be okay with the cancer, to shut everything down. I didn't have to sell anything. I wasn't, we weren't draining savings. We weren't, we weren't doing things where we're going, oh gosh, how do we live? Our lifestyle, I mean, lifestyle obviously changed because of the cancer, but our lifestyle stayed the same. I mean, I, I wasn't selling anything. I, I didn't sell my wife's shoes. I mean, if I'd have done that, it would have been a fate worse than the cancer probably. Um, but then the pandemic hit and I realized so many people struggled. Yeah. So many people suffered and financially with businesses, without businesses, they were all struggling. And, yeah. and it was something that I took for granted. And I said, it just doesn't need to be that way. And that was kind of the, the rallying cry for me for this new season of life to sit back and say, how do we do this? Because even before the cancer, uh, mutual friend, James Wedmore was pushing me to go out and teach what I've done because he watched my son so my son's just turned 32. They've got their their first uh, little girl. So I'm a granddad. Oh, and, congrats. Um, and uh, his, his wife's 30. And they both, the, the two of them already at that age have three homes and a multi-million dollar net worth. And James is going, you got to go teach it. You got to go teach it. And I said, I don't want to be a CPA. I mean, I'll keep the license, but I just don't want to do CPA work. Um, but it made sense to me after I watched what happened. And so that's when I started really come out and say, look, 
let's let's here's the deal i think that financial freedom is a birthright we just haven't been taught how to claim it and it doesn't need to be complicated in the financial services industry they benefit to keeping it complicated because we become dependent on them yeah i got nothing to sell to anyone i don't sell in uh you know investments at all i i don't sell insurance i don't do any of that i sell people their dreams and i want to give them the pathway to make it happen when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I love it so much. There's so many things in there. I want to unpack one. The first thing that you mentioned is at 11, you learned that you can actually do something you love and make money doing it. I think there's like this weird misconception, especially around coaching and service oriented businesses. It's like these people get started because they have hearts of gold. And this like makes me emotional because I see it so often. They want to serve. They want to do good. They want to impact. They want to help. They want to uplift. And then they have this weird limiting belief that you can't do good and make money. And then they feel bad for charging what they're worth and for actually making an incredible income for doing life-changing work. And I'm like, I, I see it so often. And I just want to break that cycle of like that belief that you can't just do things you love, incredible work, serve the world and be financially compensated for it and like, don't feel bad about it. Oh God, this is so good because I, I totally agree with you. And, and here's the thing that we need to realize is that we demonize the money. Yeah. But, Ugh. but there's no, the, the money is, is agnostic. It's, it's, it is a tool that we get to use and we get to use it to create, like I just did, I just did a promotion and, and, and it was simply a promotion where 100% of the money and I matched it would go to help the people of Ukraine. It's incredible. And, and I go, but the reason we need the money is to sustain a message, to sustain a mission, to create a movement. Uh, yeah. Can we benefit from it? Can we live a good life? And what's the crime in living a good life? Um, Because with the money, we can become generous. Now, I think the one misconception that I hear a lot is, is just do what you love and the money will follow. And I think that's a mistake because what we need to do is find how can we create value in other people's lives with what we love. Yeah. Then the money will follow because what they're buying is the value and 
And there's nothing wrong with saying that we're going to get compensated. It doesn't make the generosity, the change, the transformation any less impactful. And yeah. in fact, you know, the cancer, I didn't have to question which doctors I went to. I got That's the huge. best treatments. And the other side of it, I didn't have to question. I, it didn't matter what they were going to charge me. I <laughs> go keep my bladder. Let's just do this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's huge. And it's like, I don't know where money became a bad guy. <laughs> I know I had some money ish to work through. I did. And I think a lot of it comes from being raised in, um, in the, in my church and in the religion that I'm a part of, it was almost like live within your means, be frugal. You don't need more than what you actually need. Don't want for more than what you need. And it's like that, that was how I was raised. So I did have to get through a lot of like, wait a second. If I make more, I can do more good. If I serve more, I can be compensated for it. I can be more generous. And for me, gosh, why, why are the tears like right here today for me? It, it came from, we had a family member that was struggling and it was when we were in vet school with my husband and we were so tight on finances, did not have anything extra. And we were very good at living within our means. We did not go into debt other than like tuition and the things that we were needing to go into debt for. And this, our family member that was struggling, we were going to come together and help him with Christmas. And so JD is my husband. His family was like, we're going to do this for them. We're all going to give 250 bucks, 250 freaking dollars. That's it. And when my husband said, yeah, totally. We'll do it. I was so pissed. I was like, we do not have the money. How are you taking away from our kids to give to them? I was such a little bitty, like, and that was my world. That's how I saw money. We didn't have enough. It was lack. It was scarcity. And I felt like such a freaking jerk and so mad at myself that I felt like that because I wanted to be able to give, I wanted to want to help them. But then it was like, my natural tendency was like, no, I had to cling to it. And in that moment, I think about that moment so frequently because that's what stemmed my desire to never, ever, ever feel like that again. And it's like, now what we've been able to build Yes, our family has been blessed. Yes, we've been able to do things like on a personal level, but the amount of income we're able to give freely and serve and do without the care of like, this is not going to be enough. There's not this. It is a feeling that I will never take for granted because I've been on the other side of it. And it's like, money is not the bad thing. If, if a jerk makes a lot of money, there's still going to be a bigger jerk with a lot of money. Right. But if, a good human makes more income. They're going to do more good in the world. And the, our listeners are the best humans. So if they are struggling with that money is bad, or like, I can't, who am I to want more? Or who am I to want to make more money or whatever? I need them to break through that so hard so that they can do more good. So good. And, and I think that the challenge is that when we're, when we're limiting ourselves that way, and I had the same thing. I grew up with a, you know, it's impolite to talk about money. I mean, we came, I came from a white collar. My dad was an, an engineer. Mom was a, a homemaker because I'm an identical twin. So taking care of two of us at the same time. Was, <laughs> so 
Um, so it wasn't like we had a lot of money. We had what we needed. Yeah. But they think that when we start to shrink down, there's there, there's fear based, there's guilt based, there's but we're focused on internal or inside mm-hmm. versus external outside. And, and so I think that when we start to understand that we start to, we can start to pull apart some of the stories. And one of the things that I, I work with people on is this idea of that fact that most of that stuff isn't fact, it's just interpretation. Yeah. And when we can separate the facts from the interpretation, we have the ability to then elevate ourselves above that. I, and I'll give you a, for instance, 2005, I got involved in an investment, um, turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Oh no. Oh yeah. Lost one third <laughs> of my net worth between oh, my me and gosh. two other guys. We lost four and a half million dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the story now, mind you, I'm a CPA, I'm a financial guy. Um, the story I started to tell myself, the interpretation was you're an idiot. You don't know this. You should get out of the business, go wait tables, you know, nothing wrong with waiting tables. Um, but, and that story was going on in my head. And if I had allowed it to take control, now I'll give you the reason I didn't allow it to get, take control in a second, but if I allowed it to take control, I, I would not, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't right. be where I am. I wouldn't be having the impact. I wouldn't be making the difference. I wouldn't be doing that. But what I looked at, I said, well, what, what were the facts? If I put a camera in there to record the event, what did the camera see? Cause that's the facts. The facts mm-hmm. are gave the guy money. The facts are he put it in an investment or didn't put an investment. The facts are I never got any money back. Yeah. That's the facts. It doesn't mean anything. And the only reason I got above it. So I said there was two people, other people with me, one just shrunk his life down and kept on living because he had already been retired. The other one, who was the one that got both of us in it, got bitter, resentful, angry, destroyed his business, destroyed his marriage and destroyed his liver through drinking. Mm-hmm. He, he, now this was 05. He's just coming back today. Then me, I started to spiral into resentment, anger, frustration, all that judgment. But I was a single full-time dad. And I looked at my son and I said, this is adversity. And if I curl up in the corner and hope the storm's going to pass, I'm going to teach him a lesson that's going to last the rest of his life. And is this the right lesson for him right now? And I said, Nope. So I sat down with him. I said, let's explain what happened. And I'm going to rebuild now. And we're going to move forward. Now, 18 months from that day, not only did we recover, we surpassed it by three times, but it wasn't until I one connected, disconnected the interpretation from the facts and then connected it to a why that is, is more powerful than me. And, uh, and I think when we give our money a greater purpose, mm. we get a greater purpose. Can you say that again? Because they well, need to hear it one more time. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> when we give our money a greater purpose, yes. we individually get a greater purpose. Yes. And that goes with anything in entrepreneurship that goes with, I know lots of people listening are in the network marketing industry. And so they're building businesses. They're trying to rank advance. They're trying to grow teams. They're trying to recruit. They're trying to make sales. 
And then so many of them struggle with the metrics of it all, the numbers, the, this, the, that, and they're like, I feel skeezy. I feel this. I don't want to be pushed by numbers. I just want to let people come. I just want and I'm like, that's not going to get you anywhere. Like you have to know how to align those metrics with the purpose. And when you can do that, that's when it's like game freaking on. Cause you get so ignited by a deeper, a deeper reason, which is everything. And and hopefully this will help them think through this. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Um, I have a dear, dear friend who called me up one day and she said, you're probably the only person I had this conversation with. I hit all my numbers. Now we're talking millions. She was, it's, and I, and I, and I said, great, you know, we're celebrating. And I said, why do I get the feeling that it, you're not happy? And she says, I'm confused. I said, mm. what? She goes, what now? Do I, do I just increase the numbers? Do I just change the numbers? And I said, oh, let's walk through some things. And we walked through this whole idea of what's the why. And her biggest purpose driver, other than her family, was I want to give women the opportunity of independence. Yeah. And so what we did is we restructured her business. So every sale she made, she would make a microloan to a woman in a third world country. That's incredible. And she would do it in the name of the customer that bought. Well, within a year's time, she sends me a text and she says, I just did a launch. She says, we made 8,000 microloans. My heart is full. And so when, no matter whether we're just starting out or we're at millions or hundreds of thousands or something, this tie to that greater purpose is what becomes so important and allows you to start to untie it from the stories and the mindset stuff that hold us back. Because I believe, and this is just a personal belief, we are put here to have an indelible impact while we're yeah. here and to live it fully and not settle for anything. And it is nothing to do with greed and lack of contentment. It has to do with generosity. Quick time out from the show to let you know that I am looking for the next women that I'm going to mentor on my team. This is within Team Beachbody. We get to lock arms together. I get to be your mentor, building a business, working on your health goals and empowering others. So if you are someone who would love to get healthier, who loves prioritizing working out and eating well and sharing your story on social media and being a light and uplifting others and would love a way to make extra income, even if it's alongside a full-time career or in the cracks of motherhood, whatever it is, you can build this in a way that feels best to you. So if you want to work with me closely to grow as a person, to become a better mother, to become a better wife, to become a more empowered human being, that is literally what we do every single day. And if you follow me on social media, you already know what we do as coaches. You already know what it looks like to be a successful coach, because that's what I share just my life. And that is what I do. And I would love to help more women have an opportunity to literally transform your health, 
transform your mindset, transform your community of people that you're surrounded with and be able to transform your financial opportunity with this business. I can't wait to chat with you. If you want some more info about it, go to micafulsomfit.com slash transform your life, put in your email. I will be able to send you all of the nitty gritty deets. And if you want to chat one-on-one with me, I am an open book. Ask me all the questions. Tell me your fears. Tell me your reservations. Ask me if you'd be a good fit. I will be honest with you. I can promise you that. So shoot me a message at Micah Folsom fit and we can chat there. I cannot wait to work with you. Yeah. I love that so much. And, and I find that this is something that some people can run into as well. So many people start entrepreneurship because they have personal goals. They have things they want to do for their family. They want to quit a full-time job. They want to do this. And then they hit their goals like you mentioned, and then what? And it's like, I feel like at some point you have to have goals that are service-based that are about someone else. And that's what keeps the fire. And that's what keeps the fulfillment. And especially in an industry like sales or like network marketing or whatever, literally your success is dependent upon helping other be people be successful. Like, how is that not fulfilling? So how do you feel guilty about helping other people reach the goals that they have for their life, become the people that they want to be like, that is what we do on such a deep level. And yet so many people get in their head with these stories about all the things. And then they keep them stuck and paralyzed and burnt out and exhausted. What are the types of stories? Like, what are some of those stories that can keep people from really continuing on their journey towards creating that independence and creating that wealth that is generational. Like that is, that's what I'm here for. I know that like, it's not just about me and JD. It's about what we can do for our kids and our kids, kids, and our kids, 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 like let's freaking go. And I, I love that you're putting it this way. Cause when I, when I first, no, I've been, I'll be married now in June, 11 years. Okay. Uh, amazing. Amazingly. Um, I got the better end of the deal. <laughs> but but she didn't understand my the because she didn't grow up with this concept of money and she probably has the same religious upbringing as you and and so when i started having this conversation around it because she in her mind was well you just you save it you use it and it's gone you're gone and you're done you know type yeah. of thing and i said yeah. no 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 what we need to do we come to a business especially entrepreneurs we come to a business thinking we're going to have control and have freedom we're gonna we're gonna be able to do the, and, and have an impact yeah and then we find out really quickly that nothing could be further from the truth <laughs> right <laughs> but here's the raw truth your business was never meant to give you freedom your business was to give a solution have an impact and create some cash flow that's it and 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 not to nominalize it but then there's the second element of it and this other element of it is that the cash flow needs to be used to create a second machine. If yeah. I have the business machine, I need to create a money machine. Yeah. And it's the money machine that gives you the freedom. And this is the piece that most entrepreneurs and most employees actually miss is that the money machine, call it a pension, call it a portfolio, call it assets, whatever you want to do. But it needs to be a money machine that gives you, that's what saved us during the cancer during the pandemic is we have a machine that's like an ATM. We turn it on and it spits out cash. But here's the beautiful thing if you do it right. Now, the problem is that 
the way we're brought up is still industrial age thinking. Mm-hmm. Save for 40, 50, 60 years, spend for whatever years you got left and pray that your life doesn't outlast the money. Yeah. Well, that, that's rolling the dice after you put, put a whole lot of time in. What I believe is that you build a machine large enough that it generates cash flow without eroding the machine. And then when I'm done here on earth, it passes to Stephanie. Yeah. When she's done, it goes to Jeremy. When she's done, it goes to my, when, when he's done, it goes to my granddaughter. In other words, we create a generational shift where there isn't, you, you change your whole family tree from yeah. that point forward. Now, and I think that it's important to say this though, because I think a lot of people will go, well, wait a second, you're just gonna give the money to the kids? I said, yes, under <laughs> certain conditions. I believe, yes, I will transfer assets, but not before I transfer skill sets. If they yes. don't acquire the skill sets, they don't get the assets. That's huge. And so now with that in place, we have the ability to be generous. We have the ability to know that our our, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, their lives are changed. Yeah. And we don't have to rely on handouts. We don't have to lie. We're not moving back in with our parents. We're not doing any of that. We've taken care of ourselves in a way that we can walk. I think that we talk about um, freedom. And, and one of the things I say is that we want complete freedom. Too often, we interpret that as financial freedom. But financial freedom is the most rudimentary freedom we could ask for. There's two other freedoms that I think are really most important. Then the, the, the second one is mind freedom. The freedom to know that I have peace of mind, that everything's good. That's huge. And then, and then the, the third is time freedom. Yeah. I think that your wealth ought to be measured in time, not dollars. How much of your time do you own and have the option to do what you want with, because I know a lot of people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they don't control their time. And to me, that's a poor life. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And there is something so powerful about that peace, that peace of knowing if crap hits the fan and chaos comes and trials come and I've got to fork over however many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I got this. Like I got this. My home's going to still be here. My kids are taken care of. When you experience that with cancer, that is the thing that I think most people don't plan for. They don't think about, they're like, Oh, I can pay the bills this month. So we're good. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to, I don't have to build any extra income. Like I can pay the bills. So I'm good. And I'm like, that stresses me out. Just thinking about that, like living that way, that gives me so much angst. And I am like ultimate, if I can avoid stress and anxiety at all costs, I will do everything that it takes to create peace because that is what I just want in life. And so how does someone go from like, I'm fine. Kind of that complacent, like I'm grateful. I'm fine. I have my needs met, but I'm definitely not ready for anything else to happen in the future. I'm definitely not ready for my kid to come to me in five years and say, Hey mom, I want to do a ballet 
something or other that's thousands and thousands of dollars. Like those are the things people don't think about when they're just living like right in front of them. Right. So how do we kind of like start to open our minds and be willing to think about possibility, think about what could happen, not in a, not in like a fear-based, like, whoa, this all could happen. And I need to like be hyper whatever about it and just go into crazy mode. But like the reality is that something could happen. And are you ready for it? Well, and I think that's the thing when I tell the cancer story from stage, a lot of times I say, it's actually not about the cancer. It's about life. And are you prepared when yeah. that happens? Cause it will. Absolutely. And, and it could be a relationship breakup. It could be a, a, a divorce. It could be a death. It could be all kinds of things. I, I watched my, my mom and my wife's mom, uh, you know, struggling emotionally because they were unaware of their financial situation. Were they going to be able to stay in the house? Could they, you know, and, and yet we, we ought to think about it. And yet it's tough because to think about planning for the possibility of something bad scares people Yeah, because we gotta, we gotta answer some really tough questions and we have to face some really tough realities. But here's what I know. No one out there has money problems. No one out there has money issues. Everyone has money symptoms and their mm. symptoms of behaviors, habits, and decisions that we've made in the past. And that may be hard for people to accept. It may be confronting for them to go, well, wait a second, you're blaming it on me. I say, I'm not blaming it on you, but until we're prepared to take responsibility, I have no ability to respond. Until I was willing to accept that I got in that Ponzi scheme, I gave him more money. I was not going to learn anything, grow anywhere, do anything and, and come out of it uh, in any way with some positive element to it. And so the bad news might be that you got to confront yourself and say, my behaviors, my habits, my spending habits, my choices led me here. The good news is they can lead you out. Yeah. We just got to change them and we just got to change them based on principles, rules, tactics that work and know that it, 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 it can happen. And there's no, I don't, and this is a personal belief and someone has to take this on if they're going to move beyond it, but I don't think it matters where anyone started it from. I remember Brian Tracy used to say, those at the top 10% at one point started at the bottom 10%. And so what becomes important is for us to start in the path. Now you might sit back and say, well, I'm not making a lot of money. That's fine. All I want you to do is put $10 away. If it's a behavior, if it's a habit that matters, let's start building the behaviors. Let's exercise the muscles. Yeah. And if it's $10, you put $10 away, you know, $50 a week, $200 a month will turn into $350,000 after 30 years. It doesn't take a lot to make a lot. If all of a sudden you sit back and say, I'm going to sell something, I'm going to do an online thing. I'm going to do a launch. And, and, and I say that every week, I'm going to take the first sale of the week. And I'm going to put it in an investment account. I did this with a group of hairstylists. I said, your first service each week, I want that to go into your investment account. Make investing a priority, not lifestyle. Yeah. Now, needs and wants uh, are different. The needs we got to take care of. But now all of a sudden, 
investing becomes a priority. And now you're getting to that $50 a week to $100 a week. And, and, you know, I'm like, when my granddaughter was born, someone asked, you know, what are you going to do? I said, here's what I'm doing. $500 when she's born, $25 a week. You know, people are going 25 bucks a week. You're such a cheapskate. <laughs> so hundred bucks a month. And I'm going to do it only for her first 20 years. During that 20 years, I need to educate her and give her the skill sets. Then when she understands that, she gets $20,000 from me over 20 years, basically. That $20,000 will be over a million and a half dollars when she's ready to retire. That's incredible. And so we can set up our children for 25 bucks a week. Why not? And yeah. so my point then is for them to just, yeah, just to, yeah. let's just get in the game. Yeah. Because the 10 will turn into 20, which will turn into 40 and it'll continue to grow. But if we don't get in the game, if we stay on the sidelines or in the bleachers, we're never going to score. Yeah. I love it. I think you just blew a lot of people's minds with that $25 a week situation. Cause I don't care who you are. That's doable for anyone like that is doable. Yeah. Don't eat out one time. And you have that. And it's like, and I think, I think this, it's like a different world. I didn't grow up this way. My dad made a great living. My mom, we were a one income family. My mom was a stay at home mom her whole life. And it was W2s. It was just like, we had what we needed. We didn't know how to, I didn't know how to invest. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know any of this stuff. And that is one of the things that scares. I think a lot of entrepreneurs is like that fear of success. Well, if I make a lot of money, then I have to know what to do with a lot of money. And what the heck? I don't know. But you guys, there's people for that. Oh, yeah. There's, there's people for that. So you just need to like stop stressing about it. Do what you can to earn the money and then hire someone who can help you do the thing. Invest it, be smart about it, learn about it, educate yourself. My husband, thankfully, loves this side of the business. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, babe, I'll make the money. You invest the money. Like that's our teamwork. Go team. Um, and it's been so fun. Like, it's such a fun, it's like a whole adventure together that we get to really build that. I love that. You just said that because, um, one of the first things that people say, what's the first thing I should do? I said, I want you to go home. I want you to sit down with your spouse. I want you to have a real conversation around money. Yeah. It's a journey to be done together. It's not about judgment. It's about understanding. It's about a vision for life. It's about co-creating a life together. Yeah. Um, and when, when Stephanie and I, when I did this with her, cause she was, she's in the medical field. She didn't care about, you know, she was, ah, you know, I said, but she understood why it was important. And now we have regular conversations, planning and dreaming and, and visioning and how we're going to each help to, to make it a reality. And, and, uh, it changed, changed the relationship. And, yeah. and yet people will say that it actually can be one of the biggest stressors in a relationship and it can mm -hmm. primarily because we don't understand how to talk about it. Or we choose not to talk about it. And you end up with one person who's a saver, one person who's a spender. And all of a sudden they come together and it just, just doesn't work. And yeah. yet if we're not talking about spending and saving, and we're talking about our vision, our life, it's a different game. It absolutely is. And I think it's, 
it's one of the things that really brought JD and I together in like a next level way. When we, we had some struggles early on, like we almost split early on. And it, we were two kids into our five. He was in the middle of vet school. I had just started my business and I was finding a lot of joy in that, but we were literally going in different directions. He had his lane. I had mine. I was in like survival, survival mode. And it was like, this is not working out for us. I don't care how big you are. I don't, he didn't care how big I was. We were not in it together. And we had a really, really come to Jesus moment where we're like, okay, if we're going to stay together, we got to figure out how the heck our vision works together. What we want as a family, what I do, how it complements you and what you do, how it complements what we want to do. And it was like, as soon as we had that conversation and then continue to get on that path to work together, it was next level. The support that I had for him, the support that he had for me, it became an us thing, a we thing, a we're building this for our life thing. And that changed everything. So maybe if someone's listening, they're like, my husband's not supportive. He's not on board. He nags at me when I'm trying to build my business. Have you had that conversation with him? Why you're doing this? What does it mean for your life? What does it mean for your family? What does it mean on a bigger picture situation? It's, because it's, it's, that's, it's essential. It's huge. I, I, um, and from a guy's perspective, call it a spade a spade. I think that's there's some guys that can be, um, th- feel threatened. Oh yeah. This lady and my, my wife's extremely successful. I, I didn't feel threatened. I felt challenged. I said, all right, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, as a, if, if there's guys listening, I think it's important. Yeah. And if not play this back for them, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's important for us to realize what we're meant to do in a relationship. Uh, I remember I was having a problem with the gal I was with before my wife and she's a great gal, but, uh, and I was talking to a dear friend who was kind of coaching me through and he says, when I was in college, I was having problems with a girlfriend and I was talking to her girlfriend saying, I love her. I, I just don't get it. I, she does. She knows I love her. And her friend looked at her and said, you don't get it. <laughs> what do you mean? He says, she may know you love her, but really it's not about her knowing that she, she, she's loved. It's about her feeling loved. And what are you doing right now to make her feel loved? And I think that when we start to look at things through the eyes of in this moment, whether it's an argument or something, and I I catch myself, I am not infallible, and my wife will tell you that, right? (laughs) But I try to catch myself and say, what am I doing right now that's gonna make her feel loved? And having that conversation is going to go miles to making her feel loved. And, and I think that that's the thing that when we come to a relationship with that perspective, the house we live in, we live right on the beach in Laguna, beautiful house, uh, expensive, you know, this and that. And they said, and I'm I'm the first one I'll I'll say it on my videos. I say it's the worst investment I've ever made because (laughs) It's just dead weight. There's no, we're not making money on it unless we sell it and this and that and everything. And people will say, well, why'd you buy it? And I said, because I saw how my wife felt when she mm. stood in the kitchen and she stood in the big room looking at the ocean. 
I said, that was my currency in the moment. And it made sense. And I didn't over encumber ourselves to do it. So it wasn't a bad decision. Right. But if I was just doing it logically and saying, hey, I can make, I could put this money to work somewhere else. But then I lose the richness that I think life should be built on. Yeah. That's so powerful. And those, those things are so important to be mindful of, especially as we're talking about relationships and they shift, they shift with time early on in our marriage, my soul, like what I need from my spouse is security. I need to know that we will be taken care of, that we will not have to stress out that you have got us. And then as my business took off and we no longer needed his income at all, that's not how I feel loved. My husband loves his career and he is a freaking workhorse. And I have to be like, babe, come just sit next to me. Like just sit next to me. That's all I need from you right now. So it's also important to have these conversations ongoing because it's not like a one-stop shop. Once you think, you know, that's how it's going to be forever because things do shift and dynamic does change and money needs to be a part of the conversation because it is such a huge part of life. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it really is. It's the oxygen to the business. It's not the focus, but it, we don't need the money for money's sake. We need the money. So we have the moments Mm. we can create the moments. And that's the reason I want to buy back the moments of time. I want to, my mom is, she's elderly, 87. She's got a bunch of issues, failed kidney on dialysis that. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, she was in the hospital. We weren't sure. But in that, in that time, you sit back and I go, the moments are the things that matter. Yeah. So every moment is to cherish when Stephanie and I first met, I would, I used to talk a lot about legacy and she thought, no, she came from Philly. So her form of legacy was that I was going to, I wanted some, some Rocky statue on the steps of some <laughs> building somewhere. And I go, which would be cool. But, but no, um, I said, legacy, we often talk about legacy as something that we leave behind when we die. I said, that's a mistake. Legacy is what we get to create in the moment we interact. When we shift someone's life, even if it's to bring a smile to their face, that's legacy. And when we bring that to everything we do, the money we create, the lives we impact with the people that we contract with, or or our customers, our employees, our team members, that's legacy. Yeah. And that changes generations when we do it right. It absolutely does. And I think it's one of the things we get to teach our children and lots of people don't think about that. Like the ideas that you have about anything about life, about how your, your, your sense of worth, your belief in yourself, your self-image, your money mindset, all of those things, we are just so kindly giving those to our children. And it's like, if we don't do our job to break the cycle and to really get our shiz together, the cycle just repeats. And so it's like, they're watching you of course, but they're listening to you and they're seeing what you, what you do and what you say. And for all of our entrepreneurs out there who are like, 
I do want big things. I know I'm worthy of this. I would, but you get stuck in that. Just I, you get in your own way. Your kids are never going to be the reason that you fail, but they can absolutely be the reason that you succeed because you are setting the tone. You're setting the bar and you're creating the norm that they're going to watch and grow into. And, and just as much as you had out of, we're talking about having the conversation with a spouse, got to have the conversation with kids. Yeah. If we leave them to their own devices, they're going to come up with their own interpretations, their own stories and their own mindset with the, without the perspective of the whole thing. So, so like my son, I I think we have to have this conversation because my son was 11 years old when I gave him his first like commission. I called it a commission because he did things for it, but he would pay for his school lunches. He would pay for his clothes. He would do things that allowed us to have conversations around money, around the things that, that you could do with money, the generosity, the giving, the savings, the investing, all of that. And then as he got older, you know, we kept having those conversations, but I got him to invest into his future. So when it came time to get his first car, I said, here's the deal. I'll match your down payment. I'll match your pay. I'll match your payment. Um, So I can teach him about money, but we opened up the conversations early on and we kept those conversations going. Um, We still today have conversations. I mean, so I think that just the same as we do it with our ourselves and our spouses, we should just have open conversations. If we actually had dialogues about some of these topics, they tell us we're not supposed to talk about religion, politics, sex, I think, but, um, (laughs) and money. What would happen if we had more open dialogues, true dialogues about it? And I think that money's one of them. And if the first step to creating wealth, to finding financial freedom is being open to and willing to have conversations, one, two, take responsibility and not believe that you should know it. And three, just get some guidance, Yeah. get some help, get some support and know that everyone's in this together. Everyone has the same fears. Everyone has the same guilt. Everyone has the same embarrassment for different reasons, but we all feel the same way. So might as well, you know, commiserate together and grow together. (laughs) Right. I love that too. And we have a very open door policy as far as income goes and money goes and our kids, I'm the same way. I'm like, I want them. We, we set money aside for them each month, all of the kids, but they do stuff to not, I mean, not necessarily earn it, but to be eligible to have that money and they can't touch it yet. They can't touch it yet. It's just building and building and building, but they know it's going in there and they know that it's part of their financial, like it's it's part of their family obligations to be an awesome human. And that's kind of their reward for doing that. But it, it gives you a, something to rally around and actually have conversations around. Yeah. The why's behind it. It's huge. It's huge. Absolutely. Ah, oh, Mel, I love it. I love this conversation. I feel like money is still such kind of a taboo topic. Like yeah. eh, we can't talk about it. We can't this, but it's like, man, unless you can talk about it, you can't get through the stuff that's holding you back. So we got to have the conversations. And I think that that's, if we look at just anything, there's no problem in the world that doesn't get solved without a conversation. Absolutely. So money's no different. It's not the demon that people want to tell you. It's actually the thing that can fuel your movement, your mission, your future, your vision. 
it's the thing that you can create experiences for the people you love. Um, and it's not gloating. You know, true wealth is, is quiet and silent. Um, but, uh, but I think that that's why, and that's why I say, I think it's about living a richer lifestyle. And for me, you know, whether it doesn't matter whether it's a tent in Montana or a yacht in Monaco, it's, it's knowing that when you get to those last days, you say, like the song goes, I did it my way. I did. Okay. And I left the world better for it. I love it so much. I'm here for all of this. hundred percent. Love it. Love this conversation. Mel, thank you so much for hanging out today. Where, where can our listeners find more of you on social? Don't you have a book? I do. I have Tell them about my, it. um, my entrepreneur solution book was a uh, national bestseller, Barnes and Noble in USA Today, uh, the entrepreneur solution. I have another book coming out, uh, in 2023 called the money nice. solution, money plan solution. Um, so that's more about the money side of, of things. Uh, and, uh, I have, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram, Mel Abraham nine. No idea who the first eight are, but we'll, we'll <laughs> hunt them down. Um, my website, uh, Mel Abraham, there's a lot of resources there, free training on my YouTube channel, free training. Uh, I've got a seven day, um, money plan challenge. There's a lot of stuff. My, my, my calling, I think at this stage is really to kind of pave the way and, and help people with the path of financial freedom and know that not only is it possible, but it's probable if we just get it right. And so, um, and if you have questions, if they have questions, I love hearing from people. I, like, I, I just released a video this week that was answering a question from someone that posted on one of my YouTube videos. So, I want people to know that it's a safe place to ask questions. No one's going to judge and we're going to try and guide you in the right way. Cause I got nothing. I got, I got no investments to sell you. I just want you, I want you to live in your dreams. I love it so much. You guys, if this was helpful for you, like always share with us your favorite nugget screen, share, tell us what resonated. Tell us what helped you tag Mel at Mel Abraham nine tag me at Micah Folsom fit you guys never ever ever feel bad for having desires, feel bad for wanting more, for bad for wanting to do good and serve and make a lot of money doing it. Don't ever feel bad about that. And if you do go to Mel's website right now, dig in, do that work, unpack that stuff, where that's coming from and work through those things. Cause I know I can tell you personally, as I worked through my own money stuff, it unlocked a vision in me that was filled with impact and service and things that I had just boxed in. I had, I had been living so small because of my, the way that I perceived success and wealth and all of those things. And how fair, like, that's so unfair for the world because I wouldn't be doing this. That's for dang sure. So Mel, I just commend you for for living out your calling, for doing this work, because it is so needed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on with us today. Oh my God. Thanks for the blessing of serving and the, and the joy of meeting you. I can't wait to do more. Of course. I'm so happy we got connected. Thank you so much. And you guys will see you back here in another week. Have a good one.
wrapping up another episode and I just want to thank you for sticking around. Before you head out, I would love to hear from you. It would mean the world to me if you left this podcast a quick review wherever you're listening from. And if you got some nuggets from the message today, don't forget to share it with your friends, your team, and your Instagram story so that anyone else who needs it can find it too. And be sure to tag me at Micah Folsom Fit so that I can shout you out and share your page with my friends. Thanks for hanging. Now let's go take action on those goals and dreams because if you can feel it in your heart and see it in your head, then you can hold it in your hand. So until next time, go do your craft. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.